Good morning. So these are the early risers, right? <laughs> it is great to see everybody out this morning, and it's certainly great, and I'm appreciative to, to be able to be here today, and, and thankful that uh, you've given uh, Brother Jake and his family some time of rest and relaxation, and, and certainly uh, uh, glad that I could uh, step in and, and uh, bring a message uh, for us today. And uh, but I, I'm also very thankful, you know, to to uh, I learned in talking with Brother Jake that that uh, during vacation Bible school uh, that uh, you all have been uh, uh, focusing on our ministry at Grace Haven. Uh, and uh, we are so uh, uh, appreciative of the, the thoughts and the prayers and uh, the, the gifts that have gone into uh, and will go towards that ministry at Grace Haven. If you're not sure what Grace Haven is, let me just tell you briefly a little bit about that uh, ministry of the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services. It's our newest ministry. And it really came, it was born, if you will, out of a, a, a discussion uh, a couple years ago uh, at, at, among our board of trustees during one of, the, uh, one of our meetings. And uh, there was a sense there and, and a call there and, and an urgency there uh, in, in that discussion that our ministry at the your ministry at the Baptist Children's Home uh, needed to uh, uh, more aggressively be engaged uh, in with what we were seeing in in our state, uh, uh, which was a, a an aggressive part on uh, uh, certain uh, agencies in our state to expand uh, abortion services in in, in Illinois. Uh, did you know that even today uh, there's 116 abortions every single day? Uh, in the state of Illinois. And so our board felt like we had to do something to, to, um, to be a part of the solution uh, and not just to be critical of what was happening. And so from that, that discussion, this ministry, Grace Haven, was born. Grace Haven is a, a pregnancy uh, uh, help uh, clinic, and, and there at that uh, location in, in Mount Vernon, we offer support to young women and their families who who are wanting to either confirm that they're pregnant or who are pregnant and, and need additional supports to consider uh, uh, their options. Uh, options to either parent that child or uh, if their option is to, to choose uh, uh, to uh, give that baby up to another family through adoption. Uh, our, our purpose is to help them and support them and uh, uh, ultimately uh, through that and through the work that we do, uh, to to tell them about the love of Jesus that he has for them and their unborn child. Because you see, we believe and uh, that uh, that God is the creator of life and all life. And and so uh, in, in that, there, there are no mistakes. Um, uh, we sometimes, people, as people, make choices that are, that are mistakes, but those lives are not mistakes. And so uh, thank you for being a, an active and engaged part of the ministry, not only at the Baptist Children's Home and, uh, but, and, and in all five of our, our ministries, but, but especially this week focusing on Grace Haven uh, and that newest ministry. I think that's also a ministry that we'll see grow and expand uh, in other ways, even in, uh, um, with other opportunities that we have in, in other parts of our state. So um, uh, continue to pray for us as we, we um, uh, make those steps and take those steps uh, to, to expand that ministry. Um, you know, it does fit into our mission. The mission of the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services is to offer Christ-centered uh, services that heal, protect, and restore. And we certainly feel like that this is the way that we protect life and that we help to restore the family unit, which is we see uh, that's just uh, uh, the, the, the enemy that Satan uses, has used to destroy our, our country and our world uh, through the breakup of, 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 of families. So uh, thank you again for, for supporting uh, the ministry at Baptist Children's Home and, and Grace Haven. Also uh, today... Uh, uh, I feel like God has laid a message on, on, on uh, my heart, and I hope that it's one that, that uh, uh, he speaks to you uh, today. Uh, because, you know, as I, I pray about these messages before uh, uh, I, I preach, um, it, it's, it's, I always pray that it's not my words or my thoughts, because we'd all be confused if it was my, my thoughts and my words, but that God uh, uh, speaks to us today, including me. So, you know, um, 
as, as I think about the ministry that God's called me to do, I, I often reflect on the impact that that uh, uh, changing just one life, you know, impacting one life, whether that's one family or one child or or you know one unborn child. The, the the impacting and and doing something different to change that that child or that family's future uh, ultimately impacts not only that child or that family but all the generations that that come from that and sometimes that just seems so mind-boggling to me at how God is a as a generational God how he he uh, affects changes in in one generation that that uh, uh, his desires that will impact the, the the future generations, and so we're going to kind of look at a story today. Uh, it's taken out of a, a a a larger story, but it's a snapshot in in uh, Joshua that we're going to look at uh, of a time where um, uh, things seem to be be going pretty good. That that God's people are listening to Him, and and they they're about to take a, a huge uh, step of faith, and and they do that. And then we'll kind of see what the outcome of that was and how that, I think, impacts our, our lives. Uh, but, but also, uh, not only in the story, one of the focuses of this story is going to be how God um, uh, uses something, and in this case it's 12 stones, uh, how he uses 12 stones and he, he particularly instructs his, his people to use those stones to teach the future generations about what he, God, had done for, for his people uh, in bringing them out of Egypt. So we're going to, to uh, look at uh, some verses today, and, and we're going to be in Joshua today, and, and, and there, there, I, will, I will be reading a lot of different verses. So uh, we'll, we'll just kind of jump in in just a minute. But one of the things uh, to, to, um, I was thinking about as I was um, uh, thinking about this, this, this message you know, I, I, I don't remember a lot of days. You know, I remember, you know, especially things, times you do things over and over. Certainly when I was in college or, or a seminary, which is the story I'm about to tell you happened when I was in seminary, you know, I, I, I went to classes most every day, and I don't remember uh, much, if anything, about going to those classes on, on any certain days. But there's one date that, that kind of jumps out in my mind that, that has stuck with me, that I, I remember... Uh, and, and, and that date was um, in April, and it was in 1995, and, and I was just about three weeks away from graduating from Southwestern Seminary down in Fort Worth, and um, uh, that morning I was running late for one of my classes. A friend and I had gone out and had breakfast, and we kind of lost track of time, and, and so I was running back to the campus, and, and I was rushing to, to, um, to class. And uh, fortunately, this class was a pretty large class, so I felt pretty confident that I could sneak in the back and and uh, and be unnoticed, and and no one would really know uh, that I that I was late. Especially, hopefully, the professor, right? So I d- I go in and I I open go in the back, I open uh, the door. It was in a large room, sort of like this. So I was you know coming in one of the back doors and. And uh, uh, what I remember uh, distinctly, you know, because I expected opening the door, at least a few people in the back were going to turn around and, you know, kind of look at, you know, what are you doing coming in late? But I distinctly remember that not a single head turned when I went through those doors. And so I, I walked in, and, and, and then I realized after a few seconds that everyone was fixated on a, a large TV there in, in the classroom. And even the professor was sitting down, and he wasn't uh, wasn't saying anything. And I thought, well, this is highly unusual, you know. So I go find a seat, and I sit down, and I whisper to the the guy sitting next to me. I said, "What's going on?" And he said, "It was a building in Oklahoma City that was just bombed." You see, that was April nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. And if you remember, when the Murrah Building was was uh, uh, bombed in in Oklahoma City. And so I, I uh, remember then sitting there and getting enthralled and then into the news and what was on the, the TV and what was happening. Uh, a few years ago, actually in 2017, I was in Oklahoma City and I went to the memorial uh, that they have there uh, on that site. And one of the things as you're walking through there is that they're playing a lot of the recording, the news tapes and reels from, from that day. And so just hearing that, hearing the, the news reported in, you know, as it was then, brought back that memory. Suddenly I was transported back to April the 19th in 1995. That day I was running late for class and I thought I was going to sneak in 
the, the classroom a little late, which I did. And, uh, uh, but I, I don't remember that day. I don't even remember what class it was, to be honest with you. But I remember specifically sitting where I was, sitting there watching that, uh, the news as it, as it unfolded on that day. You know, I think we probably all have uh, experiences like that where uh, there's an event or something that took place in our life and, and uh, there can be different things that, that bring that up, whether it's a, an object or a sound or uh, a smell or, or uh, a, a being in a certain setting or something like that can, can transport you back to, to that event, to that moment. And, and so we, we have those points in, in our lives that, that we might call markers or memories, which just kind of are forever etched in, in, in our brain because, not because it was anything maybe unusual about that day except for that event. And if that event hadn't occurred, I don't think I would remember anything about April the 19th, 1995. So today we're going to, uh, uh, well, uh, we're going to look at a, a passage in, in Joshua. And we're going to learn from something that, that, that God uh, instructed the people to, to use these things, these, these 12 stones, and we'll hear more about them in just a minute. Uh, and, and he wanted them to, to be used uh, to, to build a memorial uh, so that uh, those stones could be used as a way to teach the future generations about uh, something that he, that God had done for his people. You know, the, there is something to, you know, to, to say about those kinds of memorials, those kinds of things uh, that, that are reminders. You know, I, when, I, when I was preparing this message, you know, um, the, the, the verse in Philippians kept coming up from where Paul talks about, you know, forgetting the things behind and pressing, you know, towards the goal. And so I had to reconcile, why did God talk about teaching things from the past? And here's Paul over here saying, you know, look, look, you know, don't look behind you, look for the future. And so as I was studying what, what the difference was, Paul was talking about forgetting what he had done in the past and, and all those things, the good and the bad. Um, God is re- telling his people to remember what he, what God had done for them. And so certainly there, there are going to be points and markers that, that uh, I think God will use in our lives as believers uh, that will help us remember what he has done for us. One of the things that that sits in my office, and I've, I've I've used to do this more often. I haven't done it in a few years, a couple of years, but I used to take this with me when I would go speak at churches. So I brought it again today, and so this is just a little vial of dirt of soil. <laughs> but there's something special about this soil here. Um, do you, do you know uh, in, uh, d- next Sunday actually uh, on July the fourth? Uh, but July the 4th of 1917, so 104 years ago on July the 4th, uh, the deed was signed as, as land was purchased uh, over in Carmi in White County uh, because there were a group of people who wanted to respond uh, to a need in, in the, the, the state at that time, and that was to open an orphanage. You see, this soil or this dirt comes from that original 40 acres of land that was purchased to build an orphanage, which is now called the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services. So this, this sits at, in my office because it's a reminder to me uh, that, that, uh, of God's faithfulness. It's a reminder to me that in those 104 years that, uh, that God has been faithful uh, to provide for that ministry. And certainly... Uh, uh, those people 104 years ago, when, when they, uh, uh, together, there was 20 families that, that uh, took out loans uh, on their farm and businesses uh, to raise money for, for that land, the $3,000 to buy that 40 acres. Uh, certainly they had no idea of what, what their faithfulness would be doing in 2021. So, so this, this little, memorial uh, for me is just a reminder as I look at of God's faithfulness through the, the ministry at, at the, the children's home. It's also a reminder to me of the faithfulness of, of churches like 10 Mile who, who um, uh, support uh, that ministry day in and day out with prayers and, and, and financially. And, and that uh, it's a reminder to me of being a good steward to, to God and to, to you uh, in the work that we do. So what then... Has this, does this have anything to do with 
with stones and, and, and uh, uh, spiritual markers. Well, let's look at uh, some verses here. And I'm going to start and read verses that really are kind of toward the ending of the story, sort of. Um, and then we're going to go backwards and, and read a few other verses. But we're going to be in the book of Joshua today in the Old Testament. And we are going to uh, start with verse uh, in chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 5. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 19 and read through 24. Okay? So Joshua chapter 4, verse 5 says, And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the of the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel now let's look at starting verse 19 it says now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho and those 12 stones which they had taken from the Jordan Joshua set up at Gilgal and he said to the sons of Israel When your children ask their fathers in time to to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to to the Red Sea, which he dried up before, before us until we had crossed that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So before we begin this message, let's, let's just uh, open this sermon with a prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the, the beauty of this day, but most of all, thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to, to gather in this building, Lord, as your church, to, to, to worship you, to, to sing praises to you, Lord and also to hear this word from you. And I, and I pray, Father, that, that you speak to us today and remind us, Lord, that you have given us as believers uh, uh, reminders in our life of your faithfulness and of how you've worked uh, in our life, Lord, how you have literally uh, uh, stopped the waters from flowing uh, and, 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 and so that we can get on the other side uh, on dry ground, Lord. And I just thank you for this reminder and, and this, this uh, truth that you care about uh, about us, Lord. Uh, ask that uh, you bless this time. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> All right, so let's let's kind of uh, back up a little bit and and kind of uh, talk about the context of where we are. So, if you look in Joshua here, if you look in in chapter one, we're going to see that that uh, chapter one in the book of Joshua opened with with Moses having died and, and Joshua, was, Joshua was then given the responsibility to actually lead uh, the Israelites into the promised land. Also in chapter 1, uh, you see that, that God uh, encourages Joshua and he commands Joshua, he says to Joshua, be strong and be courageous uh, with, with, the, with uh, what he was calling Joshua to do. He also uh, reminds or tells Joshua in, in, in chapter 1 that it's time to, to cross the Jordan into the promised land, uh, but to do so in battle array. Okay, so, so, so Joshua's tell, or God's telling Joshua, hey, you, you, we're, we're going to go across the Jordan River. And, you know, at this point, Joshua doesn't know yet how God's going to get him across the Jordan, right? But he says, when you do, when you get across, you need to be ready to go to battle. So also he has to get his, his, uh, the people ready uh, to, to fight and, and to, to go to battle. So also we see then in chapter 1 uh, of Joshua where the people then, you know, Joshua steps up as a leader he, uh, uh, and the people then commit uh, to Joshua's leadership. And so you see in verse 17 that they, they commit uh, to, to uh, listen to Joshua. Chapter 2, if you read through chapter 2 of, of, of the, in the book of Joshua, that's simply the, the story of the canvassing of Jericho. Uh, you remember where the spies are sent in, you know, where Rahab, who is known as the, the, the prostitute there, hid the two spies, and uh, the, the spies promised uh, her family to, to uh, be protected when they uh, invaded or when they came into to Jericho. And, uh, and also in chapter 2, you'll, you'll notice that Joshua actually proclaims uh, in verse 24 that the Lord had given this land into their hands. 
So you, you start to see this, this building of, of commitment and, and understanding and, ex, and really excitement uh, uh, from, from Joshua as he's going to lead the people into the promised land. So then we get into chapter 3, and we're going to read a few verses here in chapter 3. Uh, this is actually where we get into the, the crossing of, of the Jordan. So if, we look, if you look in chapter 3, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to start with verse 3. And it says, and they commanded the people, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of about two thousand cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know that the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the, in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall, moreover, command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will surely dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, and the Perizzite, and the Girgashite, and the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. And it shall, and it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above shall stand in one heap. So it came about when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who carried the Ark came into the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest, that the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam the city that is beside Zarethan, and those which were flowing down the, towards the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off, so the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood, stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. All right, thank you. That's a, that's a lot of... Uh, 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 verses uh, to read, but but did you hear what what's happening here in, in chapter three? So in chapter three, it's now time for for the Israelites to cross the Jordan River uh, into the Promised Land, and so we we're going to learn here in a minute. We learned as we read these verses. So so that was a, a a barrier for them to get into the Promised Land. Right, you have this river. Now I've been told that typically the Jordan River River is not you know. Um, uh, the Mississippi or anything like that. It's not uh, a large river. But as the scripture says here, during the time of harvest, the banks overflow. All right, so this was a flooded area, a flooded time. It, the, the waters were high. So, so at, that, at this point where this is, this is occurring, as we saw here, the banks were overflowing, and so there was lots of water and lots of flooding. Uh, and here was this river, the Jordan River, which hundreds of thousands of people had to somehow get across to get into the promised land. So we, we, we heard then what uh, Joshua said, and we'll come back to that in just a minute, uh, as how they were going to, to um, uh, move into uh, the promised land. And so then we look in, 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 in Joshua chapter 4, and uh, just a few more verses here. It says, starting verse 1, chapter 4, it says, Now it came about when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men 
from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross again to to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Israel. And let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. All right, so here in verse 4 then, after they, they cross, and the, then, then Joshua chooses one man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel and says, now go back uh, into the middle of the Jordan uh, while the ark is still there and, and, and get a stone from the, the, the riverbed. And so that's what they did. And he commanded them to, to build a memorial uh, there where, where in Gilgal where they, they, they stayed the night um, to build a memorial so that, as the, the scripture says, so that when their children asked one day, what are these stones for? They could say, they could tell about what God had done for them. That God had brought his people out of captivity, out of Egypt, into the promised land, and they crossed the river, the Jordan River on dry land. Now, this idea of memorials or, or remembrances are not uh, uh, unusual in Scripture. We, we probably could think of several uh, where, where there's different uh, commandments uh, to, to remember where, what God has done. One simply is, is, is a, a verbal commandment. Um, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And then the last part of uh, verse 15 says, This is my name forever on this my memorial name to all generations so it was a name so he was telling Moses I am is a memorial to all generations uh, the Passover was a time to remember what God had done how he had spared the firstborn uh, in Israel because they had put in the uh, blood on the lamppost as the as the angel of death came through uh, 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 Egypt uh, in the Ten Commandments, we're commanded to remember the Sabbath day. We're to remember that day because it's it's holy. First um, Corinthians talks about the you know the, the the first what we call the Lord's Supper, remembering what Jesus did for us. So this idea of, of memorials are not uh, uh, unusual in Scripture, right? This is just one one example of of God's using um, uh, something uh, so that. The future generations can understand and, 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 and a testimony can be given about what he had done uh, for his people. The idea is not to forget. You know, I, I, I wish that I could remember a lot of things and I, I wish I could remember lots of details and I, I'm not, not so good at that. And I think God understands that we as people also tend to forget what he's done for us. I think the scripture is full of examples like that, but I also think uh, I won't speak for anyone in this room, but just in my life, uh, I could give a testimony of many times where I forgot to remember what God had done for me. God knew that, uh, that the Israelites would soon not remember the miraculous things that he had done for them. So we're going to talk for just a minute about spiritual markers. We're going to talk about these, these markers that, that I believe, if you're, if you're a Christian, uh, that, that you have in your life, and there's a purpose for them, a, a thing that you can, can use them for, and we'll, we'll talk about, about those. Um, but the first thing is it, that, uh, the, the first point, I think, is that it, it has to begin, though, uh, with really how hopefully this sermon will end, and that is that you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is your first spiritual marker. You know, I can remember clearly, again, I don't remember a lot of things, uh, but I can remember another day clearly. I actually don't remember the date, uh, but I remember where I was. I was 13, and I was uh, at a, a summer youth camp 
uh, at a Gulf Shores Baptist Assembly, which no, is no longer in existence, but it's in, uh, was in past Christiane, Mississippi, on, uh, on the Gulf of Mexico. And so we were at a camp. I was at camp with my church, and, and I remember going to a worship service, and I have no idea what the, the, the guy who was speaking said that day, but I remember sitting in that seat and knowing that if I died right at that moment, that I was going to go to hell. And I remember as I, as I left there, and I, I didn't respond uh, to, to the invitation, but I remember as I left there, uh, the, the assembly hall was a, a pretty good distance away from, from the rest of the complex. And so I was walking down this long cement uh, sidewalk, and, you know, as teenagers do, everybody's talking and laughing, and, and I just remember all these people passing me, and I'm just walking with my head bowed down. So much to the point that I went and found my pastor who was with us, and I told him, and I, I, I told him what I had experienced. And so there uh, at Gulf Shore Baptist Assembly on a hot summer Mississippi day, uh, my pastor shared with me uh, how, to un how to know that if I were not to die, if I were to die that day where I, would, where I could go, and, and that was heaven through having a relationship with my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's from that moment that I clearly remember uh, uh, my testimony beginning uh, was, was in that moment. I can remember what my pastor said. I can remember where we were sitting. I can remember all those things. But most of all, I remember what God uh, did for me through Jesus Christ and coming to an understanding that my sin separated me from a relationship uh, uh, with the Heavenly Father and certainly would separate me eternally from, from living in his presence. But Jesus made a way uh, for that relationship to be stored, restored. And so from that day, uh, I also you know, remember talking to my preacher you know, that I felt like God wanted me to do something different with my life. Well, he thought that was to preach. <laughs> you may uh, understand after today why God didn't call me to preach. But, but, you know, but God had a purpose for me. And even though I didn't understand what that was as a 13-year-old, uh, to see over, over many examples of markers and how God has directed my life to be right where he wants me to be today in 2021. But you see, it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our first spiritual marker. And that's one that if, if, if you don't have, if you struggle with to, to think of what, what is that, well, that's something that, that we can, can, can uh, 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 pray for you about and talk with you about even today. Because you see, uh, the, remembering what God has done for you rem begins with understanding what Jesus did for you at the cross. And that is to give anyone who would ask and believe uh, uh, the, the, a restored relationship uh, with their Heavenly Father. <clears throat> the second thing, the second idea here when we talk about markers uh, is that oftentimes these markers, these spiritual markers uh, in our lives uh, are attached to um, a testing of our faith. You know, I, I, I think about just in, in my many years uh, since that uh, being 13 of, of how uh, things didn't always work out the way I thought they were going to work out. <laughs> Very seldom did they actually work out the way I thought they were going to work out. But, but to, to go back and be able to see uh, around difficult times, one, uh, I guess, probably that, that uh, impacts the reason I'm here today was just a marker that, was, uh, that happened on November the 5th of 2015. And uh, even though that's a different story for a different day, uh, that, that day actually is the reason that, that I'm here in, in Illinois uh, uh, six years later almost, uh, because God was directing my life to a place, to a direction that I couldn't even see, even something as less than six years ago. But you see, we all have these, 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 these testings of our faith, these times where uh, uh, we can look backwards, and even in the middle of it, it didn't make a lot of sense, uh, but in the middle of it, look back and see that, that God was with us the whole time. You know, the interesting thing about the, this story in Joshua, when, when uh, God, uh, or when the, the Scripture talks about the Ark of the Covenant going before the people and the, the priests going to, to uh, 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 when they put their foot, you know, on the edge of the water, uh, that the, the water was going to stop, but 
he commanded the priest in the Ark of the Covenant to stay in the, the middle of the Jordan until all the people crossed. Do you know why he did that? But the Bible says, you know, the, the presence of God was, it was there at, in the Ark of the Covenant, and so God's presence was with his people. He literally was in the middle of the Jordan when the water was stopped. And so I, I think about those markers in my life of, of, you know, when it seemed like maybe God was distant. No, God was right there in the middle with us, making sure that we made it through that, that, that time. You know, I, I, um, I think often about just the, the faith that it took for, for those uh, priests, especially the ones that were in the front of <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant. You know, um, I haven't had much experience in my life with flooding. Uh, there are a couple things that I remember. I remember probably being five or six going to, through the Mississippi Delta to my great-grandmother's house and because the river was flow, overflowing and riding down this two-lane highway for miles and water and houses, I mean water on top of houses on both sides, and I can still remember that picture. You know, uh, I, I remember just here about three or four years ago, a church where I attend in Carmi, uh, you know, our kids were on a youth camp and came a flash flood and both our church vans got washed away. You know, uh, and, and so, so you think about, uh, thankfully nobody was in them at the time, <laughs> I guess I, but, but you, you, we don't sometimes think about the, the, the power of water and, and flooding and, and how flowing water, uh, the, the power of that. So can you imagine being the, those priests who had to be the first ones to, to step up to the edge of the water thinking, I'm going to drown, you know, or were they? Well, the Bible says they, they did it. It was a test. It had to be a testing of their faith, but, but we, we see now that they stuck their foot in the water, and as soon as they did, the water stopped flowing. And they were able to go into the middle of the Jordan and all the people crossed over. Um, <clears throat> but they crossed over, you remember, uh, what? They were ready for battle. So even though the Jordan was in the way, even though they had to, to cross over and God provided a way and they crossed over in dry land, they were still prepared to go to battle. So you see, these markers often come in times that our faith are being tested, is being tested. Just like the faith of the Israelites at that time were being tested uh, to, to, to follow through on what God was instructing them to do through Joshua, so is true with us. Oftentimes these spiritual markers in our lives are, happen because our faith is being tested. So do we sink or do we drown or do we give in or you know, to, 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 to that moment or do we just step in? And God calls us to step in. <clears throat> The third thing I think that we can, can see, kind of glean from, from uh, this idea of, of spiritual markers is that these events happen uh, and God wants us to remember them, but he also wants us to share them. You know, I, I uh, <clears throat> uh, mentioned this earlier, but I, I sometimes just think about uh, 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 the, the, the impact thousands of lives since um, since 1918 that just one ministry here in southern Illinois has had just the thousands of lives that have passed through the ministry of the orphanage and then the Baptist Children's Home and now the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services how God has has impacted generations uh, just because uh, a few people in 1917 were willing to, to go buy some dirt soil land you know, these markers, when they happen, uh, we're, 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 we're not supposed to keep them secret. Like the old uh, kid's song, Hide It Under a Bushel, no, right? We're, we're supposed to, to let these things, let the world know what God has done for us, even as individuals, even as individual believers. Um, <clears throat> that God's work is active. It has a generational impact. So the, the, God was, was telling the, uh, Joshua here, you know, that these stones that, that uh, he made these 12 men go back into the, the middle of the Jordan and get were to be used, and they were to be used for a specific purpose. A memorial, but a memorial that when your children ask, what are these stones for? You can say, God brought us across the Jordan on dry ground. 
You know, our testimony, our experiences, our, the, God's faithfulness for us as believers is not something that we're, we're to, to, to hide, to keep to ourselves. More importantly, and, and this is where, where I, I feel the sense of urgency, but more importantly is, you know, we, we have a generation that we're supposed to teach about the faithfulness of God. How did it work out for the Israelites in this situation? Let, let me just read a couple more verses here. We're going to jump forward to Judges chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 6 and read through verse 10. It says, When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. And the verses before this actually connects this passage to where we, we were just reading in Joshua. But in, but in verse 7 it says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gahash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Kind of a sad ending to a miraculous story, right? You know, can, can you imagine, I'll, you know, again, thinking about all the things we read about how God provisions for his people as he took them out of Egypt and led them out of Egypt, how he provided for them, even through their disobedience at time, he still provided. But I just, can you imagine though, witnessing the parting of the Red Sea or the pillar of fire that led them through the, the desert or even the, the, the crossing the Jordan on dry ground? I mean, I think that would stick in my head, right? I think I would, would you know, to, to witness that, picture that. But, but the Israelites were, were kind of short memory people like we tend to be sometimes when God does something in our life it's to be shared it's something that we should give credit to him for and that we should share that because you know we have a generation that comes after us who needs to know what God has done for you and what he desires to do for them unfortunately those stones must not have been used very much. It said that, that when the people dispersed, those, that, that generation, those fathers went and to their own place and their own land. And, uh, and then as the generations went, so did the, the stories go. Uh, so that a generation arose that knew not the Lord. Isn't that terrible? Could those words be said about us today? You know where we are. Are we raising a generation that knows not what the Lord has done for us and what He desires to do for them? Finally, <clears throat> the last point of, of, of this passage that is that um, these markers, these these things that um, uh, that God gives us in our life, um, are only because of Him. That, that these markers uh, always point to the work of God, not to the work of, of ourselves. You know, uh, in, in, in Joshua chapter tw uh, 4, verse 24 says, that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And the first verse of chapter 5 says, Now it came about when the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. The mighty work of God always points to his mighty works, right, to him. And you see how even the, the kings of, of the Amorites here and the, the, the kings of uh, the Canaanites, uh, their hearts melted. They were in fear because they even got to witness or hear about the, the witness of what God had done through his people and that they'd crossed the Jordan on dry ground. 
When, when God is working, it always points to, his, to him and to his work. <clears throat> Again, as I think about the ministry that, that God has called um, me to serve and, and, and you to be a part of uh, this church and this state and, and um, the, the responsibility we have is to tell the stories of how God has worked, what he has done. One simple way I do that is just simply being reminded by looking at how God has taken just a little soil, a little land, and he has impacted generations to come. How can we do that today? How can, you know, we may not be starting a children's home or starting a new ministry. How can we do that today? I heard a story just about three weeks ago from a lady, three or four weeks ago, uh, an older lady, and, and I was in her, her house meeting, just talking to she and her husband, and you know, she told me a story. She said, you know, Denny, when I was a little girl, she said uh, about five or six, you know, my family, we didn't go to church. We'd never been to church, anything like that. But she said when I, somewhere when I was five or six, somewhere in there, I had a little friend, a little uh, girl that lived a couple houses down. And one day she came over and asked me to go to vacation Bible school with her. I didn't know what vacation Bible school was, but you know what? I went. And she said every week, every day during that week of vacation Bible school, uh, my mom would help me learn the, the memory verse for the day and would go over the story with me, uh, even though my mom had never been in church, the, the lady was telling me. And she said after vacation Bible school was over, she said, you know, I just was so in, in love with Jesus and I really just didn't understand who he was. Uh, but I just, you know, just remember, she said, that, that week of, of being in love with Jesus. But then vacation Bible school was over and she didn't know what was next? She said a couple days after vacation Bible school was over, a couple men came to her house and knocked on the door. And uh, she said, she, you know, uh, back then children shouldn't have been listening to, to adult conversations, you know, but she said she was kind of hiding around the, the corner to see what was going on. And these two men were talking to her parents and they asked them to, to come visit their church. She said, we're from the church where your daughter went to vacation Bible school. And, and she said, I was standing by, this is what she was telling me, she said, I was standing behind the wall and I had my fingers crossed just hoping they would say yes. <laughs> you know, so much like a child, right? And she said, to my surprise, they said yes. And she said, from that next Sunday on, we never missed church. And she said, Denny, my dad, my mom, uncles, she said 14 members of my dad's family got saved because that little girl invited me to vacation Bible school. She said, and Denny, can you imagine? She said, I've lost track with all the cousins and all the generations that it came after those, those 14, but, but who were in church and who became Christian, all because that little girl asked me to go to vacation Bible school. You see, it's not hard to tell other people what God is doing for you and has done for you. That may even be, as a child, being excited about vacation Bible school and inviting another friend. You know, the, the person that was telling me the story said, that, that, that girl at five had no idea of what she did to impact generations for the kingdom just by inviting me to vacation Bible school. When God does something for us, when he leaves a, a, a marker in our life, it's not to be kept secret. It's to be shared. So as we close this morning and we think about uh, this, this, this message of, of, of markers, uh, of spiritual markers in our life, you know, I think there, there, really there are three groups that, that it speaks to. You know, one is, is like I said a while ago, it's, it's where uh, the, the, the message will end. If you don't have a spiritual marker because you don't know Jesus as your, as your personal Savior, but today that can change. We'd love to, to, to talk with you and to, to share about uh, uh, the love that Christ has for, for you. That could be your day one, your first spiritual marker. Maybe there's a group here or someone here that, that is on the edge of the Jordan. You know, God's calling you uh, and he's testing your faith. You don't may, maybe not yet know what that marker is going to be, but you feel God is, is testing your faith. All I can say is, yeah, take the step and, and let God uh, demonstrate his mighty power and his work in your life by taking that step.
rest of us who who are here, you know, <clears throat> maybe God is simply convicting us that we we need to remember those those markers. We we have someone that God is putting on our heart that we need to share that that story with, that testimony with, that that uh, that moment of how God carried me through. And may, so maybe God's putting a, a person on your mind today of who you can share that with. But there's an urgency behind it. Because as, as we saw here with the Israelites, it only took one generation for them not to know God. Now God made himself known. God's not going to allow his creation to forget him. But, but that generation did, and they began to worship other idols. And the work that God calls us to do, the, the marker, the testimony that we have, is not something for us to keep to ourselves. It's something that we should share. So my, my uh, prayer for you is then that you find that person or persons, whether it's your child, a grandchild, a neighbor, or maybe it's a complete stranger that you don't yet even know, that you share, that you be open to share that marker, that, that memory, that memorial in your life with that person so they can understand the work that God has done. Let's pray. Father God, we, we do thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you again that that uh, we have been able to, to gather here this morning, Lord, to, to, uh, to hear a word from you, Father. And I pray that um, you know, we, we leave here not uh, letting that word uh, um, be empty, Lord, that we be challenged to share um, uh, the things that you're doing in our lives and in the lives of our family and our church and our communities, Lord, so that um, others may come to know uh, the exciting joy and the hope that comes only through Jesus Christ and, and knowing Him as Savior. Lord, and I pray if there's anyone here today that, that does not know Him as their Lord and Savior, that today be the day of salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life, or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.